You're listening to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to look at a king by the name of Jeroboam. Jeroboam was given a promise by God, but the complete fulfillment of that promise never came to pass because of Jeroboam's sin and disobedience. Promise lost. That is a big idea in today's podcast. We'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 11, 12, and 13 for the complete story of Jeroboam. But let's begin by reading 1 Kings chapter 11, starting at verse 28, reading from the New Living Translation. Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. One day, as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him on the road, wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in a field. And Ahijah took the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and I will give ten of the tribes to you. But I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. For Solomon has abandoned me and worshipped Ashtaroth, the god of the Sidonians, Shemosh, the god of Moab, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my laws and regulations as my father David did. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time, for the sake of my servant David, the one whom I chose and who obeys my commandments and laws. I will let Solomon reign for the rest of his life. But I will take the kingdom away from his son and give ten of the tribes to you. His son will have one tribe so that the descendants of David, my servant, will continue to reign in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen to be the place for my name. And I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you will rule over all that your heart desires. If you listen to what I tell you, and follow my ways, and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my laws and commandments, as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. But I will punish the descendants of David because of Solomon's sin, though not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to King Sheshek of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. The rest of the events in Solomon's reign, including his wisdom, are recorded in the book of the Acts of Solomon. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When Solomon died, he was buried in the city of his father, David. 
Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. God has purposes for each one of us, but we can wander away from those purposes. God has given us personal promises that he intends us to receive, but we can refuse those promises and walk away from them. We can have promises that are left unfulfilled because of our sin and disobedience. This was clearly the case in the life of King Jeroboam. Jeroboam was given a high calling by God to be king of ten of the tribes of Israel. The prophet from God told him clearly what God was about to do for him and what he was to do. Jeroboam was given a promise from God, but the complete fulfillment of that promise never came to pass. Let me remind you that this promise to Jeroboam was conditional upon his obedience to the will of God. 1 Kings 11, verses 37 and 38. And I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you will rule over all that your heart desires, if you listen to what I tell you, and follow my ways, and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my laws and commandments, as my father David did. Then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you, as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. This was the promise of God to Jeroboam. But notice that these promises were conditional upon his obedience. God's promise was only partially fulfilled because of Jeroboam's sin and disobedience. Jeroboam lost God's promise. The lesson we learn from this story is that man so often tragically squanders and loses God's promise because of fear. Fear shakes our trust in God. We opt for our own plan instead of God's plan because of fear and for other reasons as well. I am the only person that I can trust. I can't even trust God with my future and destiny. But this is not true. We can trust God. We can trust God with our future and with our destiny. This is a lesson that Jeroboam never learned. So let's examine the life of Jeroboam and see how he lost God's promise. First, let's look at the promise of God to Jeroboam. That's 1 Kings 11, verses 26 to 40. The Bible tells us that Jeroboam was highly gifted and a trusted official for Solomon. 1 Kings 11, verse 28. Jeroboam was a capable young man. And when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Solomon saw abilities, leadership qualities, and ambition in Jeroboam. Solomon promoted him and put him in charge of the whole labor force of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. It is important to notice the context of this promise that God gave Jeroboam before we look at the actual promise. 1 Kings 11 verse 26 tells us that Solomon's servant Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, also rebelled against the king. We are not given the details about the rebellion, but we are just told that Jeroboam rebelled against Solomon. Jeroboam was one of two other adversaries mentioned in 1 Kings 11 who rebelled against Solomon. Look at verse 14. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. That's 1 Kings 11, verse 14. 
Now look at verse 23. And God raised up another adversary against him, Rezon, the son of Eliada. Solomon's kingdom was disintegrating because of idolatry, one of the many sins of Solomon. 1 Kings 11 verse 27 tells us, and this is what caused him, the hymn is Jeroboam, to rebel against the king. Jeroboam rebelled against King Solomon because a prophet named Ahijah prophesied to him, giving him a conditional promise from God. We are not given the details of this rebellion, but it appears that Jeroboam may have taken matters into his own hands and rebelled against Solomon. Ahijah the prophet spoke to Jeroboam through what we would call a prophetic demonstration. The prophet Ahijah demonstrated the division of the kingdom of Israel to Jeroboam by tearing his cloak into twelve pieces and giving him ten pieces. This is found in verses 29 to 31. This prophetic action was a prophetic demonstration of the fact that the kingdom would be divided. Jeroboam would receive ten tribes to rule over while the Davidic line would retain only two. He gave ten pieces to Jeroboam as a sign that God would give him command over ten tribes of Israel. He also explained to Jeroboam that two tribes would be left for Solomon's son to rule, that is Judah and Benjamin. They were often referred to as one tribe. The kingdom would not be divided until after Solomon's death. If Jeroboam would obey the Lord, he would be assured of the Lord's blessing and help. Notice the limitations which God put on Jeroboam. First, he would have only ten tribes to rule over, not the whole kingdom. Verse 34. Secondly, he would not come to power until after Solomon's death, also found in verse 34. And thirdly, God would make him an enduring house. Only if he would obey the Lord and wholly follow him. Verse 38. God was doing this because Solomon and all of Israel had forsaken God. 1 Kings 11 verse 33. For Solomon has abandoned me. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my laws and regulations as his father David did. God would establish Jeroboam's family line for a temporary amount of time and humble David's descendants, but not forever, according to verses 38 and 39. What a great promise God had given Jeroboam. Jeroboam was assured that God would bless him as the king over ten of the tribes of Israel and secure his family line to rule over those tribes. Jeroboam was told that he would rule over all his heart desires in Israel. Verse 37, perhaps Jeroboam attempted to gain the kingdom before Solomon's death because of his sympathy for those subjected to the burden of forced labor or because of God's promise that he would be the king of ten of the tribes of Israel. Jeroboam could have made his bid for the throne and rebelled against Solomon. The scriptures give us no details of a rebellion against Solomon by Jeroboam. Perhaps Solomon found out about what was prophesied by the prophet and sought to protect his kingdom as Saul attempted to protect his kingdom from David. The Bible tells us that Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, 
and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. That's 1 Kings 11, verse 40. When God gives us a prophetic word, his divine promise, it is important not to rise up in the flesh and attempt to bring it to pass through our own efforts. Look at how David became king of Israel through obedience to the voice of God. There were many times when David had opportunity to become king by eliminating Saul, but this was not God's way. It was not God's will that David should kill Saul to take his place as king. It is very possible that Jeroboam attempted to become king apart from God's design. It is important to carefully handle the promises of God that we have been given. There are at least two wrong responses to promises from God. First, we can put it on the shelf, forget about it, and leave it with God. Secondly, we can attempt to make it happen. God has told us what he is going to do, so we attempt to make it happen on our own, apart from God. These two responses are wrong. The first response, we are too under-involved in the process. We sit passively by and wait for God to do it. Instead of standing on his promises, we sit on the premises. In the second response, we are too over-involved in the process. We don't wait for God, we do it for God. Instead of standing on the promises, we fulfill the promises on our own. It is important to pray about the promises of God that he has given us. It is also important that we pray about the prophetic words that we have been given. A promise from God should be a launching point for prayer. We pray about the promises that God has given us and we ask God for direction and guidance. When God gives us a direction, we obey him. Many of the promises of God are often conditional upon our obedience. A promise from God may not be fulfilled because we have not been obedient to the conditions of that promise. Jeroboam was given a promise from God that he would become king over the northern kingdom of Israel. Jeroboam took this promise and attempted to fulfill it according to his own terms. Now let's look at the actions of Jeroboam found in 1 Kings 12 verses 25 to 33. We've called this the plan of Jeroboam. Solomon is now dead. We now have a divided kingdom. Jeroboam is the king of the ten northern tribes called Israel. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is the king of two southern tribes called Judah. 1 Kings 12, verse 26, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may be returned to the house of David. Jeroboam knew that if Israel was religiously unified with Judah, that this could lead to a political unification with Judah. This religious unification with the south, in his thinking, was dangerous. Jeroboam was the new king of Israel, the ten northern tribes. According to the law of Moses, three times a year all of Israel was to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship God. That's found in Exodus 23 and verse 17 and Leviticus chapter 23. Three times in the year all of your males shall appear before the Lord your God. That's Exodus 23 and verse 17. 
If the northern tribes were permitted to return to Jerusalem three times a year, their loyalties might turn from Jeroboam to Rehoboam. This was the fear of Jeroboam. Jeroboam feared that the people of Israel, in returning to Jerusalem to worship on these feast days, would transfer their loyalties back to the king of Judah. Jeroboam had nothing to worry about if he would have trusted God. Look again at God's original promise to Jeroboam. This is found in 1 Kings 11, verse 38. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walking in my ways, and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David. I will give Israel to you. This was the promise of God to Jeroboam. Jeroboam chose not to trust God, but instead he developed his own plan to secure power for himself. Jeroboam established a religion of convenience in order to secure political power over Israel. Jeroboam set up a system of worship in Israel so his people didn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. This religious system was idolatrous and rivaled the worship of Jehovah God. Jeroboam led all of Israel, the northern kingdom, into idolatry, abandoning the true worship of Jehovah. First, he set up two golden calves or bulls and declared that these idols were the gods which delivered Israel from Egypt. Verse 28. The worship of the calves or the bulls indicated Egyptian influence, for the sacred bull was worshipped in Egypt. No doubt Jeroboam became acquainted with this type of idolatrous worship when he had fled to Egypt during Solomon's reign. In 1 Kings 11 and verse 40, it says this, Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. And so Jeroboam spent a lot of time in Egypt during the end of the reign of King Solomon. And therefore, this is where he came under the influence of this worship in Egypt. Secondly, he established Dan and Bethel as the new centers of worship for Israel. Verse 29. This innovation was a sin because it departed from the place where God had chosen to put his name in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was to be the center of worship for Jehovah. Jeroboam did not feel that he could maintain his throne and allow his people to worship in Jerusalem. These changes were in direct violation to God's expressed command. This was the first time the scriptures mentioned any deliberate attempt to establish the worship of a pagan god as an official practice for the nation of Israel. Jeroboam became known for this specific sinful act. Thirdly, Jeroboam ordained priests from the rank and file of the people, those who were not from the priestly tribe of Levi. 1 Kings 12 verse 31 in the New Living Translation. Jeroboam ordained priests from the rank and file of the people, those who were not from the priestly tribe of Levi. 
This is probably because the Levites refused to comply with this idolatrous system of worship. Jeroboam is told by the prophet that the reason the kingdom was taken from Solomon and given to him was because of idolatry. Yet Jeroboam still chooses to make the ten northern tribes of Israel to sin by introducing idolatry. Jeroboam himself assumed the function of the high priest of this idolatrous system. 1 Kings chapter 13. Jeroboam became known as the king of Israel who first led Israel into idolatry. We read again and again of the future kings of Israel and Judah that they walked in the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. This phrase is found 125 times in the Old Testament, especially in the Kings and Chronicles. It refers to Jeroboam's sin of idolatry, where Jeroboam deliberately led Israel into the sin of idolatry to consolidate his political power. Those who walked in the ways of Jeroboam were guilty of the sin of idolatry and promoting the sin of idolatry. Jeroboam didn't prize, value, or treasure the promises of God that were given to him. What did he do? He forfeited God's promise and carried out his own plans. Jeroboam's plans were self-serving. For this reason, his plans were better than God's plans. How many of us forfeit God's plan for our own plan, thinking of our own plan as much better than God's plan? We reject and walk away from the high promises of God as Jeroboam did. In the book, The Holy War by John Bunyan, the town of Mansoul created by the benevolent king Shaddai was now to be attacked by the king Diabolus. Diabolus gathered his war council, and several proposals were considered in taking the town of Mansoul. Legion made a proposal speaking about the people of Mansoul, and this is what he says. A discovery of our intentions may make them send to their king for aid. Let us assault them in all pretended fairness, covering our intentions with all manner of lies, flatteries, delusive words. This is the way to win Mansoul and to make them of themselves open their gates to us. Legion's proposal to the war council was to appear honest, sincere, and truthful to the people of Mansoul so that they will open their gates to us. Jeroboam used the same strategy to introduce Israel to idolatry. Jeroboam hid his real motives and introduced idolatry as a benefit and improvement. The underlying reason for Jeroboam's plan was self-serving, to retain and maintain power for himself. Jeroboam believed that he had to corrupt Israel in order to stay in power. Let's look at God's response to these actions found in 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 1 to 6. We've called this prophetic pronouncement to Jeroboam. While Jeroboam was offering incense at the altar in Bethel, a prophet from God was sent from Judah to denounce and condemn this idolatrous altar. 1 Kings 13 and verse 1, And behold, the man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. 
and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. The phrase, by the word of the Lord, occurs seven times in this chapter. Verse 1, 2, 5, 9, 17, 18, and 32. This phrase emphasizes that the man of God was functioning at the command of God and in the power of God. God had empowered this prophet and sent him on a mission. 1 Kings 13 and verse 2, Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar. The prophet cries out against the pagan altar of Jeroboam. The altar symbolizes the idolatry of Israel. The prophet announced that Joash, the son of David, a king from Judah, would someday burn the bones of Jeroboam's ungodly priests on this very altar. Let's look at verse 2 again. 1 Kings 13 and verse 2. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Joash by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high place who make offerings on you. The human bones shall be burnt on you. This was the prophetic word from the prophet to Jeroboam. This prophecy was remarkable in that it specifically names Joash 300 years before the actual event. The fulfillment of this prophecy in verse 2 is recorded in 2 Kings 23 verses 15 to 20. The unnamed prophet goes on to say that as a token of the certainty of this prophecy, he says this, The altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. That's 1 Kings 13 and verse 3. Unlike David, who confessed his sin when he was condemned by the prophet Nathan, the man of God. This is found in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. The wicked Jeroboam sought to arrest the prophet. 1 Kings 13 and verse 4. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Arrest him! This altar was Jeroboam's creation. It was his pride and joy. This prophet was speaking against this altar, this altar of idolatry. The altar represented the sin of Jeroboam and the sin of Israel. Jeroboam wanted to hush the prophet and ordered that he be seized. As Jeroboam pointed to the prophet and ordered him to be apprehended, the king's hand became withered. 1 Kings 13 and verse 4. Then his hand, which was stretched out towards him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. Also, the altar was split apart, and the ashes spilled out on the floor as a gnomon of doom for Jeroboam's religion. 1 Kings 13 and verse 5. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. The splitting of the altar signified God's rejection of the pagan sacrifice and a condemnation of this altar. Jeroboam recognized the event as a miracle and the prophet as a novice man from God. 1 Kings 13 and verse 6, Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, 
that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. In answer to the prophet's gracious prayer, the withered hand was restored to normal. Look at the courage of this prophet. He did not fear the king's threat, nor succumb to the king's bribes. The prophet was sent by God to stand against the king. God warns us of our sin in an attempt to get us to turn from our sin and to repent. This was the reason that God sent this prophet. It was a gracious act on God's part. God often makes it difficult for us to sin and rebel against his law. The devil's philosophy is the opposite. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtate Letters, a senior demon is advising a junior demon, and he says this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turns, without milestones, and without signposts. Satan makes the road to hell an easy road to walk, without milestones and without signposts. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. God tries to warn us that the path that we walk leads to destruction. But we get offended at God, and we accuse Him of being judgmental. God is only trying to warn us of hell that is ahead for us if we keep walking in our ways of rebellion. Jeroboam refuses to renounce his idolatry, even when confronted by the supernatural demonstration of God. We have a promise given and a promise lost. How do we lose God's promise? God gave a promise to Jeroboam. God told Jeroboam that he would make him a king of ten tribes of Israel if he would live in obedience to God's word. Jeroboam claimed the promise of God, but soon after forfeited God's plan and came up with his own plan. He rejected the plan of God and developed his own plan a plan to introduce idolatry to Israel in order to secure political power for himself. God sent a prophet to pronounce judgment on Jeroboam's idolatrous religious system. Jeroboam refused to renounce his idolatry, even when confronted by a supernatural demonstration of God's power. Jeroboam stubbornly continues in rebellion and loses God's promise. Jeroboam is known throughout the Kings and Chronicles as the king who caused Israel to turn to idolatry. To walk in the ways of Jeroboam the son of Nebat is to walk in idolatry and to reject God. Jeroboam is an example not to follow. The promise given and the promise lost. This is the tragedy we do not have to repeat. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. 
If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? You can also visit my website, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of my messages and book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason79 at gmail.com. That is R-O-C-K, rock, R-E-V, rev, M-A-S-O-N, mason, 79 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.